Chapter Five of Makers of Many Things by Eva March Tappan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five: How Books Are Made. The first step in making ready to print a manuscript is to find out how many words there are in it, what kind of type to use, how much leading or space between the lines there shall be, and what shall be the size of the page. In deciding these questions, considerable thinking has to be done. If the manuscript is a short story by a popular author, it may be printed with wide margins and wide leading in order to make a book of fair size. If it is a lengthy manuscript which will be likely to sell at a moderate but not a high price, it is best to use only as much leading as is necessary to make the line stand out clearly, and to print with a margin not so wide as to increase the expense of the book. The printer prints a sample of the page decided upon. Any desired changes are made, and then the making of the book begins. And here are two photographs which show where this book was set up. The monotype girl wrote these words on her keyboard, where they made tiny holes in a roll of paper. The roll went to the casting room, where it guided a machine to make the type, much as a perforated music roll guides a piano to play a tune. The type is kept in a case at which the compositor stands. This case is divided into shallow compartments, each compartment containing a great many E's or M's, as the case may be. The upper case contains capitals, the lower case, small letters. Those letters which are used most often are put where the compositor can reach them most readily. He stands before his case with a composing stick in his hand. This stick is a little iron frame with a slide at the side so that the line can be made of any length desired. The workman soon learns where each letter is, and even an apprentice can set the type in his stick reasonably rapidly. On one side of every piece of type there is a groove so that he can tell by touch whether it is right side up or not. He must look out especially to make his right hand margins regular. You will notice in books that the lines are all of the same length although they do not contain the same number of letters. The compositor brings this about by arranging his words and spaces skillfully. The spaces must be as nearly as possible of the same length, and yet the line must be properly filled. If a line is too full, he can sometimes place the last syllable on the following line. If it is not full enough, he can borrow a syllable, and he can at least divide his space so evenly that the line will not look as if it were broken in two. Not many years ago all type was set in this manner, but several machines have now been invented which will do this work. In one of the best of them the operator sits before a keyboard much like that of a typewriter. When he presses key A, for instance, a mold or matrix of the letter A is set free from a tube of A's and slides down to its place in the stick. At the end of the line the matrices forming it are carried in front of a slot where melted type metal from a reservoir meets them. Thus a cast is made of the matrices, and from this cast the printing is done. This machine is called a linotype, because it casts a whole line of type at a time. Most book work is done on the monotype machine. When a manuscript goes to the press to be set up in this way, the copy is given to the keyboard operator, who sets it up on a machine which looks much like a typewriter. 
Instead of writing letters, however, the machine punches tiny holes in a strip of paper, which is wound on a roll. When the roll is full, it goes to the casting room, where it is put on another machine containing hot type metal and bronze matrices from which the letters of the words are to be cast. The holes in the paper guide the machine to make the type, much as a perforated music roll guides a piano to play a tune. The reason why the machine is called a monotype is that the letters are made one at a time, and monos is the Greek word for one. By the linotype and monotype machines, type can be set in a galley, a narrow tray about two feet long, with ledges on three sides. When a convenient number of these galleys have been filled, long slips are printed from them, called galley proofs. These have wide margins, but the print is of the width that the page of the book will be. They are read by the proofreaders, and all such mistakes as the slipping in of a wrong letter, or a broken type, the repetition of a word, or the omission of a space between words, are corrected. Then the proof goes to the author, who makes any changes in his part of the work which seem to him desirable, and it is also read by some member of the editorial department. If there are many changes to be made, another proof is usually taken and sent to the author. The reason for this extreme carefulness is that it costs much less to make changes in the galley proof than in the page proof. This latter is made by dividing the galley into pages, leaving space for the beginnings of chapters and for pictures, if any are to appear on the printed pages, and setting up the numbers of the pages and their running titles. Page proof also goes to proofreaders and to the author. Corrections on page proof are more expensive than on galley proof, because adding or striking out even a few words may make it necessary to change the arrangement on every page to the end of the chapter. Years ago all books were printed directly from the type, and some are still printed so. After printing, the letters were returned to their compartments. If a second edition was called for, the type had to be set again. Now, however, books are generally printed not from type, but from a copper model of the type. To make this, an impression of the page of type is made in wax, and covered with graphite, which will conduct electricity. These moulds are hung in a bath of copper sulphate, where there are also large plates of copper. A current of electricity is passed through it, and wherever the graphite is, a shell of copper is deposited, which is exactly like the face of the type. This shell is very thin, but it is made strong by adding a heavy back of melted metal. From these plates the books are printed. A correction made in the plate is more expensive than it would have been if made in the galley or in the page, because sawing out a word or a line is slow, delicate work, and even if one of the same length is substituted, the types spelling it have to be set up, a small new plate cast, and soldered in. And here's a photo showing where this book was printed. The girls are feeding big sheets of paper into the presses, 32 pages being printed at one time. The paper is fed into many modern presses by means of a machine attached to the press. The pressmen see that the printing is done properly. Printing one page at a time would be altogether too slow. Therefore, the plates are arranged in such a way that 16, 32, or sometimes 64 pages can be printed on one side of the paper, and the same number on the other side. 
Every page must come in its proper place when the sheet is folded for binding. Try to arrange a sheet of even sixteen pages, eight on each side, so that when it is folded every page will be in the right place with its printing right side up, and you will find that it is not very easy until you have had considerable experience. If the sheet is folded into four leaves, the book is called a quarto, or forto. If into eight, it is an octavo, or eightvo. If into twelve, a duodecimo, or twelvemo. Books are sometimes advertised in these terms, but they are not definite, because the sheets of the different varieties of paper vary in size. Of late years, publishers have often given the length and width of their books in inches. After the sheets come from the press, they are folded to page size. Sometimes this is done by hand, but more often by a folding machine, through which the sheet of paper travels, meeting blunt knives which crease it and fold it. If you look at the top of a book, you will see that the leaves are put together in groups, or signatures. These signatures usually contain eight, sixteen, or thirty-two pages. If the paper is very thick, not more than eight leaves will be in a signature. If of ordinary thickness, sixteen are generally used. The signatures are piled up in order, and a gatherer collects one from each pile for every book. The book is now gathered and smashed, or pressed enough to make it solid and firm for binding. Next, the signatures are sewed, and the book is trimmed, so the edges will be even. If the edges are to be gilded, the book is put in a gilding press, and a skillful workman covers the edges with a sizing made of the white of eggs. Gold leaf is then laid upon them, and they are burnished with tools headed with agate and bloodstone, or instruments of various sorts, until they are bright. Sometimes the edges are marbled, and this is an interesting process to watch. On the surface of a vat of thin sizing, the marbler drops a little of many colors of paint. Then he draws a comb lightly across the surface, making all sorts of odd figures, no two alike. The book is held tight, and the edges are allowed to touch the sizing. All these odd figures are now transferred to the edges of the leaves, and will stand a vast amount of hard use before they will wear off. Thus far the book is flat at the edges of the leaves and at the back. Books are sometimes bound in this way, but the backs are usually rounded into an outward curve, and the fronts into an inward curve. This is done by a machine. At each end of the outward curve a deep groove is pressed to receive the cover. To make the covers of a cloth-bound book, two pieces of pasteboard of the right size are cut, and laid upon a piece of cloth coated with glue. The edges of the cloth are turned over and pressed down, as you can often see if the paper lining of the cover is not too heavy. The cover needs now only its decorations to be complete. A die is made for these, and the lettering and ornamentation are stamped on in colors. If more than one color is used, a separate die has to be made for each. If this work is to be done in gold, the design is stamped on lightly, and sizing made of white of eggs is brushed on wherever the gold is to come. Gold leaf is laid upon this sizing, and the cover is stamped again. The same die is used, but this time it is hot enough to make the gold and egg stick firmly to the cover. 
To put the cover on, a piece of muslin called a super is glued to the back of the book, with its ends projecting over the sides, and a strip of cartridge paper is glued over the super. Then the book is pasted into the cover. It is now kept under heavy pressure for a number of hours, until it is thoroughly dry, and ready to be sent away for sale. So it is that a well-made cloth-bound book is manufactured. Leather-bound books are more expensive, not only because their materials cost more, but also because the greater part of the work of binding and decorating has to be done by hand. If a book is to be illustrated, this must also be attended to, the number and style of the pictures decided upon, and the artist engaged before the book is put in press, in order that there may be no delay in completing it. Many publishers do not print at all, but have their work done at some printing establishment. Where all the making of a book, however, from manuscript to cover, is in the hands of one firm, there is a certain fellow-feeling among the different departments, and a wholesome pride in making each one of our books as excellent as possible in every detail. As one of the women workers in such an establishment said to me, I often think that we become almost as interested in a book as the author is. End of chapter 5 Read by Kara Schallenberg www.kray.org In April 2011 in San Diego, California